Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello. Welcome to a morning Bible study with the day of prayer. Kyla, can you pray for us? Yes, I can. Thank you. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God. And we thank you for what you're doing in that you're restoring balance and order to our lives and the world around us, God. And we ask that you continue to protect those that are doing your will, God, and you make their path straight before them, God, and you defend them and you remind them that you love them and that you're with them as they continue to stand in your ways, God. We ask all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are continuing our study with in Colossians. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 11. Uh, can I get a volunteer to read verses 11 through 17, please? I will. <clears throat> all right, sir. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them over them in, in it. Mm-hmm. So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Amen. All right, so there's a lot in there. So I want to turn it over to you, you guys first. Do you have anything the Holy Spirit's ministering to you or any questions about what we just read? Kyla? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay, I can go. Um, I like how Paul was hinting at the new creation that the believers are made after they receive salvation. And because you can see it right here. Um, like verse 12, more pointedly. Buried in him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through the faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. In verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Amen. So, to me, it's just interesting to see that Paul is also teaching them that through Jesus, they've been made a new creature. 
not a creature, <laughs> a creature in a new creation. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's okay. And that because they're a new creation, they're no longer bound by the things of the past or they don't have to live in them. They should repent and turn from what they've done previously and not do them again, but they're not that same person as they were once before. Mm-hmm. Okay, promise. Okay, I kind of found it interesting that kind of like how you were yesterday you were hinting upon this chapter. I kind of found it interesting that Paul also talked about it. Talked about what? Like how Molly said Verse 15, Paul says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did discuss that yesterday. Um, but it's not Paul also said it. Paul wrote it because he was inspired through the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit breathed out and told Paul what to say and what to write mm-hmm. for our benefit so that we can grow. And mature in the things of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of that fact because I've spent time in the Word, and the Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance as we were talking about that yesterday. So I didn't come up with that on my own. Be going, mm, I'm so spiritual and holy. I didn't. I, I've spent time in the Word, and the the statement is true that the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance all things that He said to us, the written and the spoken Word. So He reminded me of that, and therefore I was able to apply it to our conversation yesterday. Yeah, because that's what it's about. Application. Not just about hearing the word. Oh, that sounds nice, or that sounds good, but actually taking it, receiving it, planting it in your life so you can apply it. Right? In every aspect. Or what good is it? Okay. So let's go. Well, what else? What else did anyone get? You promise, or anyone else? And also in verse eleven, where it says, "And him you are also circum- circumcised with the circumcision made with that hands by putting up the body of the sins." Of the flesh by circumcision of Christ. Hmm. And I'll read the rest of it. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith and in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And hmm. you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has, he has made life together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Having mm-hmm. wiped out, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was con- con- contrary to us, and he was taken in out of the way. He has taken it out of the way, okay. having nailed it to the cross. Okay, sweetheart. So, the Lord showed me that with that piece of scripture. That 
Like we were talking with that piece of scripture that the Lord doesn't necessarily judge you by the law. Mm-hmm. If you, not like he doesn't care about what you do, but he forgives you if you go back and go, Lord, I'm sorry. Of course he does. Yes, that is very true about him. He's always ever ready, willing, and able to show us mercy and to show us grace. That's his principal desire, right? He wishes, mm-hmm. he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. So, yes, you're absolutely correct. That is certainly God's will towards us, all humanity, all creation, all things to be reconciled and restored to the state and capacity and capacity that they had with him before sin came in and um, disrupted certain things and corrupted and tainted things. So, yes, God is always ready to forgive us. We do have to do our part and do the asking, right, and apply the forgiveness, take it and apply it to our own lives, what has already been appropriated in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen, young man. Is there anything else? Yes. Okay. And also the Lord showing that he's willing to overwrite the laws, not like he's going to make an exception for you, but he's... Uh, I know you would say this, but there's a lot of sin and death, mm-hmm. and that the <clears throat> Lord can overwrite it. The blood of Jesus Christ, it frees us, it redeems us from the curse of the law of sin and death. Yep, so when we apply the blood of Jesus, it is a superseding law. It is a higher law, higher rule than the law of sin and death. So when we come under the blood of Jesus, when we obtain the forgiveness for sins, and when I say obtain, I don't mean you earn it. I mean Jesus died on the cross once for all, but he does not force anyone to take that salvation onto themselves. We have to make a choice to do that. We are saved um, by our confession, right? We By our hearts we believe unto righteousness, and by our mouth confession is made unto salvation. When we take that stance that, Lord, we're going to allow you to be our Lord and Savior, we're going to accept the propitiation for sin that you are in our particular life, then we come under that um, the governance of that superseding law. However, should an individual choose to not appropriate the blood of Jesus in their own life, they will be allowed to go to hell. And when I say allowed, I don't mean God is going, okay, goodbye, you go to hell. He gives us a choice. I'm saying God lets us make our choice. There are some people that choose to go and depart from him, and that is their choice. That is their will, and he allows them to have that. He gives us the right to choose as human beings. He's, not, he's neither forcing us away from, us, from him. He's neither forcing us away from him nor um, requiring that we go away from him. He made himself available, and it's our job to come and take and apply and accept what he's done for us. So, yep, you're right about that, sweetheart. Layla, the Charles. Okay. Um, I liked 
verse 11, when Paul says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision circumcision, sorry, okay. of Christ. Um, that's a very key point um, as believers and just people in general. Um, in Genesis 17, when God appeared to Abraham and told mm-hmm. him the sign of the covenant, not government, <laughs> covenant, mm-hmm. was the circumcision in your foreskins of your flesh. And anybody who d- wasn't circumcised in that way was cut off from his people because mm-hmm. he broke the Lord's commandment. Then later you see in Leviticus, uh, I would say like um, in the tabernacle of meeting, the Lord is giving, as that likes to say, Moses the download, giving him the laws and the way you're supposed to carry yourself. And there were certain things that they couldn't touch or do or mm-hmm. eat. Mm-hmm. And if you did, you would separate yourself for a time. There were offerings you could give for remission to cover that sin to have the Lord's wrath turned away from you. But there were other things that you were cut off from your people. And um, you see later that it, it's played out with Jesus when he goes and heals the paralyzed man on his bed on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are over there talking to him. And this is in Matthew um, chapter 9. Actually, no, it's not chapter 9. It's chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And it says, Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him? Mm-hmm. Then he said to him, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Mm-hmm. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, how they might destroy him. You constantly see them trying to catch Jesus and the apostles in the law of what they were supposed to be followed by what Moses wrote after God had given him commandments, you shall mm-hmm. do this and shall not do that. And they often try to trap him in his words and in his actions. Well, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And then you see Jesus in grace and love shows them what the law was actually meant to be. It wasn't meant to be chains around somebody or to use them to bend them to your will and make yourself all holy and pious as though you rule. But Jesus is like, no, that's not what this law was meant. It wasn't meant for you to use it this way. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Wouldn't you? And he gave the example of their sheep falling into a pit. Mm -hmm. But what he was getting at was it's not about the law. It wasn't God wasn't saying you have to do this. Otherwise, you'll die. But it was for our sake because we weren't able to see him face to face. Jesus hadn't come yet. And you know, died on the cross and paid for our sins just yet. So we still needed these things to follow. And it was a guideline to keep us where we could make it and reach it into him, reach him before we left the earth and before Jesus had come because they didn't have what we have today. But it's important. And even today we all get caught up in the laws and the rules and, well, you can't do this, but we often make exceptions for ourselves. (laughs) Yes. 
I do that even in board games. Mm-hmm. Like, I want my siblings, I want Bubby and Promise and everybody else to follow the rules, but I'm over here making exceptions for myself. Well, sure. you can't do that. If you're going to do one part of the law, you have to do all of it. And if you fail in one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it. Sure. Um, thank you for sharing that, Leila Ann. I, I think also I want you all to recognize something that, <clears throat> remember we've talked about spiritual laws. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you see them? No. no. Can you hear them? Can you smell them? Can you taste them? Can you touch them? Not, no. not directly. Not directly. They're not readily available to the natural senses, which is how humankind initially communicates with the world around them. Touch gravity. That's a natural law, but touch it. Touch the wind. You can't. Touch lift and thrust. You can't do that. Touch the law of sin and death. You cannot. However, um, mankind had something against them that they weren't necessarily aware was there. They had something continually working and striving in opposition to them at all times that they had no knowledge or recognition of being there. When God gave Moses the, the, lo- the download, as you said, or the, <laughs> the law, he was declaring to them and making known and widely known and available and more visible what laws the spiritual laws that were already in force and in action and making it so that they could have something to point to, if you will, to understand what's going on in the spirit. Why, why at this point when people die, are they not instantly able to be reconciled back to God? What separates them? They had no understanding of this prior to the law being given. They didn't know that there was an enemy working against them. And how did this enemy gain access. They had no understanding, widespread understanding of that. So giving the law is just kind of like um, shading in the picture, if you will, of this is what's really going on behind the scenes. You don't know and you can't tell, but it's been here all along. It's, okay. it's already been activated and working since the foundation of the world, working and pulling you, pulling you away, keeping you, that enmity, keeping you away from God. Right? Nobody was able to keep the law. That didn't just happen after Moses shaded in the picture, if you will, so that everybody else could see what was going on. It was already working in an action beforehand. So the people that lived on this earth before the law was given and before Jesus Christ came and died in the flesh still needed a Savior just as much as the people that lived and died during the time that Jesus physically walked on the earth and the people that live and die now. We are on equal footing. We still need the same blood of Jesus applied to our lives to allow us to come into him, allow us to come close and draw near to the Father God and have the that mystery, that richness of knowing that he is in us and we are in him and we are one. Mm-hmm. We all needed the blood of Jesus, but the, the law was to go, hey, look, the, the physical deliverance of it to Moses was to let everybody know, hey, there's something against you. No matter what you do, you can't hope to beat it. You still need a Lord and Savior. And the circumcision plays a part in that covenant of going, here's my stance. For God, I'll live, right? For Christ, I will live. And for Christ, I'll die if need be, right? Abraham was the one who was actually given the covenant of circumcision. Correct? Yes. And it was his declaration that, God, I live for you. Here's the stamp the outward stamp that I'm yours and I belong to you. But the inward step stamp was he believed God. 
his heart, all the excess skin of hardness and doubt and unbelief, Abraham decided to cut away and allow God to cut away. So that way he could be tenderhearted towards God and go, I believe you. And God could go, there you go. I count that to you for righteousness, Mm -hmm. which is the same way that we come in today. It's not because we do everything right, because that's already been made clearly evident. Nobody can, except for Jesus Christ. That's why he's Messiah, the anointed one and his anointing. That's what Christ or Messiah means. He's the only one that could do it. And we needed him to do that. But we have to let God do, right? Yes. yes. We have to let him. And that's our, our outward and inward recognition that we are going to cooperate with that covenant. The outward, if you, you can circumcise all the foreskin you like, but if your heart is hard and ragged towards God, does it make any difference? No. no. People might accept you a little bit better, you know, depending on who you are, what lineage you're born into what country, et cetera, et cetera. But does it make a difference to God? And that's also what um, the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Exactly. You, you can snip and cut and pinch and tuck, and you can do all that you want to do on the outside, but if the inward man has not been made available and yielded to God through Christ Jesus, it matters nothing. And there's in many places in Scripture that Paul addresses this. Like This is clearly something that he taught and um, admonished and clearly even rebuked others as a result of their lack of understanding of circumcision and how it's of the heart and how it's only done through the Lord, not through human hands, right? Um, which is, let's also, right before we, we get into some of the scriptures and circumstances where Paul addresses this or confronts this issue, Right. If we back up in verse eight, he is is where he begins this addressing this issue. Right. He says, "Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily." And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Mm-hmm. Right. So as we were saying, we're discussing. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Paul was not against circumcision. He wasn't saying don't follow the, the traditions and teachings of the law, right? The things given to the people from Moses. But it was about making sure our attitude was right and in line with what the Lord was actually doing, right? Um, Let's go to Romans real quick. Romans chapter 2. Is that Romans chapter 2, honey? Yes. Okay. Which verse? Um, there's, There's a few. It's a whole section, so... I'll start with verse 17, and we're going to read down to 29 real quick, right? Okay. Um, And I'll read it from this version. It says, But if you call yourself a Jew and rest on the Torah, on the law, and boast about God, and know his will, and give your approval to what is right, because you have been instructed from the law, and you have have persuaded yourself that you are a guide to the blind, a light in the darkness, an instructor for the spiritually unaware, 
and a teacher of children, since in the law you have the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Then, you who are teachers, do you teach yourself? Preaching, thou shalt not steal, do you steal? Saying, thou shalt not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Detesting idols, do you commit idolatrous acts? You who take such pride in the law, do you, by disobeying the law, dis... Oh, sorry. Yes, do you, by disobeying the law, dishonor God? As it says in the, the Old Testament, For it is because of you that God's name is blasphemed by the Gentiles. And then he, he gets into it and he says, For circumcision is indeed of value if you do what the law says. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, won't his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Indeed, the man who is physically uncircumcised but obeys the law will stand as a judgment on you who have had circumcision and have the law written out but violate it. For the real Jew is not merely Jewish outwardly. True circumcision is not only external and physical. On the contrary, the real Jew is one inwardly, and true circumcision is of the heart, spiritual, not literal, so that his praise comes not from other people, but from God. So you see exactly what he's addressing here in Colossians. He's also, he also addressed to the Romans. And then he talks about the law in chapter 3 of Romans. Um I'll start in verse 19, verse 19 and 20 says, Moreover, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those living within the framework of the law, in order that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world be shown to deserve God's adverse judgment. For in his sight, no one alive will be considered righteous on the grounds of legalistic observance of the law, or yes, of what the law commands. Because what the law really does is show people how sinful they are. But now, quite apart from the law, God's way of making people righteous in his sight has been made clear. Although the law and the prophets give their witnesses to it as well. And it is a righteousness that comes from God through the faithfulness of Jesus, the Messiah, to all who continue trusting So, with that, it's about trust and and faith and hope in the Lord and what He's done. It's about submitting our way to Him, not by, again, as as we just read, the external or physical, um, I'll say, uh, the external or physical things that we do to our bodies, our outward appearance, but it is about the internal, circumcision of the heart, a softening of our heart, right, which... What it was one of the parables. He talks about the types of soil, right? Yes. Okay, so is our job, our responsibility to keep our heart tilled, right? Soft, fertile, so that the Lord and his word can come in, plant seeds, which is truth, and we can grow, right? His word growing in us. There, there are a couple other places I want to address as well. Um, 
find it real quick. Okay. So, if we could turn to Acts real quick. Acts 15. Because, like we read in verse 8, right? There, the issue, if you will, or the thing that Paul is confronting is against people that would try to rob them of the truth and try to impose, excuse me, try to impose bondage back on the people. Mm-hmm. Or, as Paul is addressing, a following legalistic means mm-hmm. in an attempt to achieve a spiritual um, end, and that is to be accepted into the heavenly community, mm-hmm. to be received in the heavenly community is a better way to phrase that. Mm-hmm. Right? So, in <clears throat> excuse me, in Acts fifteen, there arises this conflict over circumcision, right? And it, in verse one, it it uh, reads this: "And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved." Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about the question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of Pharisees who believe rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And in verse, then the council happens. They're discussing this and other matters. And in verse 7, or so in verse 6, the apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. And here's where. <clears throat> what's referred to as Christian liberty comes in, right? And there, when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to, to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that, my, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And the result was that all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And it wasn't just there. So I bring that up for, for two reasons of importance. One, because in that instant, the Lord used Peter to also stand and speak on the freedom in Christ. Mm-hmm. Not that they weren't following laws and traditions, but the laws, and if you will. But it was about, I'm just being obedient to Christ and whatever he says to do. The laws and traditions were always meant to point people to Christ. They didn't bring about salvation. 
the Lord. It was, it was, if you will, a type and shadow of what our heavenly, or our Lord and Savior, excuse me, Jesus Christ, was to do, to uphold, and do, to be that sacrificial lamb, blameless, spotless, in order that we can have eternal life. Right? It was about freedom from bondage. That was the whole point of Jesus to redeem us. And then I also bring it up because there comes a time later, and we're about to turn to that right now. If you will, go to Galatians, please. We're going to begin in verse 11. Um, Peter, who was just used and, and discussed with the council and, and says, hey, look, this is the freedom in Christ, essentially. Galatians what, sweetheart? Uh, Galatians 2, Two. verse 11. That's where we're going to start. Okay. We see that it, I'll bring this up, I'm gonna, we're going to cover this section because it's imperative that each of us hold fast to what the Lord is saying to us. He doesn't violate his own word. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, we'll clarify that now. But we have to make sure that we don't lose sight of, or come out of alignment with what the Lord's doing. Maintain fast and ensure that we are not robbed, that, that we don't allow the devil to use someone else to put us back under the bondage and legalism mm-hmm. that does not produce eternal life. Right? So in verse 11, it reads, uh, Galatians 2 verse 11, it says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him, that's Paul, withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth and the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew... Live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews. Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in the law, sorry, believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Uh, Yes, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. 
Surely he did not. He did not. Amen. Absolutely did not. But I'm, I'm bringing this up because this is extremely important. Peter, who everything will say that he was uh, one of the, well, he was one of the heads of the church, right? Mm-hmm. After Christ. He is. He helped, it was used mightily by the Lord to help grow it and do all these things, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, clearly he had gone back. Yes, he was a Jew. Paul also was a Jew, right? And he gives his credentials. We already went over that, right? He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's all these. So he, Paul is even saying, I am these things. I am a Jew. I am. I did follow the law. I did all those things. But it, again, just like he said, in, when he gives his credentials and all these qualities and characteristics that he has, that he followed, that he said he was a Pharisee among Pharisees, he said it's all garbage. It's all garbage for what? For the greater things that Christ had done. Paraphrasing, of course. Mm-hmm. But for the work that Christ had done in and through him. So the question for all of us really is, is verse 14. Right? How are we trying to live? Are we trying to live to uphold laws, rules, traditions? Or are we living in the freedom of Christ and being obedient to what he's instructing us to do? Because the question is this. If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Which comes from, the only way to answer that is to really examine ourselves, right? Judge yourself lest you be judged, right? How are we truly living? Are we living to give an outward appearance of being spiritual, which is really just being religious? Or are we truly putting aside every earthly, fleshly thing to give the Lord complete and total access and rule in our lives. Are we? Well, that's and that's for everyone to... Yeah, that's to, an to, individual question. Is it, all right? Mm-hmm. But I ask it, the are we, because we need to be sure and serious about this. Mm-hmm. How are we really living out our life in Christ, if it is for Christ. right? And we see this, this same situation addressed really throughout the entirety of the Word. right? What did John the Baptist ask them? Don't say you're sons of Moses or, or sons of Abraham. right? Jesus says the same thing. As like, oh, we just get in as a result of heritage. It's about what are we doing? Have we softened our heart and placed the Lord or allowed the Lord to be in his place in our lives? Mm-hmm. He's God, not us, not any other thing. Mm-hmm. Are we truly doing that? And if we are allowing the Lord to be the Lord and head overall, which is what he's describing, right? And described in... Uh, the end of the first chapter, right? The Lord is head over all, all principalities and power, mm-hmm. the preeminence of Christ, then our life should reflect that. Every aspect of our life should reflect that. Complete and total submission to the Lord. He being God and we being his people. And that should be demonstrated. Yes, it starts on the inside. But when the Lord 
fills you. You are abiding in him, and he is indwelling and infilling you through his Holy Spirit. It also takes a physical manifestation, one that no one can deny. It is observed. It is felt. Just like when his glory came down, whether it was a tent of meeting, or Solomon's temple, or anywhere else in Scripture. We should, be, we should have that, which is the Lord, his glory, his aroma flowing in and through us at such an extent that people around us can't help but feel that presence, his presence. But that only happens because we are remaining in his presence. We are remaining in him, standing in him. Any questions? No. There's a lot in there, I know. (laughs) Do you want to do verse 18 and 19 and then close out for the day? or? Let me get back there. I lost my place, so forgive me. That's all right. (laughs) Colossians chapter 2. Yes, yeah. Absolutely, yes. Do we have a volunteer to read verses 18 and 19? I'll do it. All right, Layla. It says, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Amen. And, and rest assured, this has not changed, and, and it will not change. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wicked places. The same rulers of wickedness, uh, the rulers and um, principalities and powers, etc., that are described in verse 15 of chapter 2. So although it's people being used by the enemy, make no mistake, the adversary is the enemy himself, right, and the multiple uh, forms, whether it's a demon or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, wicked spirits, those are what, those are what are trying to bring us into bondage. And remember that we spoke about, we've been talking about that pretty frequently this week and the week before. Um, The enemy doesn't care if it's a technicality. He doesn't care if you don't know what's going on. He will take someone into bondage, steal, kill, and destroy them, over the smallest thing, you know, given the opportunity. There's, he has no politeness or courtesy or mercy. That's not within any enemy's capacity. So it's not, although people are what he's addressing here, um, let no one um, cheat you. He's also talking about, look beyond that. It's the spiritual side of it. Because a person, it's limited what they can do, Right. Even wicked spirits, it's limited in what they can do. But who's trying to actually throw you off course? Remember that. So that way it makes it easier so you don't get focused in on, that's Bob's face or, you know, Lord, we love you, Bob, if you're out there, you know, all the Bobs. <laughs> or whomever. It's, it's so-and-so's face and you lose sight of that and then start to war against the person instead of taking authority over that spirit that's already been 
made an open show of, right? That Jesus has already triumphed over and made a public spectacle of mm-hmm. and put them in their place and deliver that one who may be ignorant to the fact that they're being used by the enemy. That makes sense? Yes. Okay. So maintain your authority in Jesus Christ. Be aware of Satan's devices. If a loved one or not even a loved one, but one who professes to be a brother in Christ or even someone who does not profess Christ is being used by the enemy, deal with that spiritual component and set that captive free. The human person. Bind up the enemy in the name of Jesus and cast him out. Command him to be silent in Jesus' name. And then allow that person that was previously participating with the enemy to now be brought into the light of the glorious gospel. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Did I say that clearly? You you did. And I want to add one thing, which is should be fairly obvious at this point, right? Let's guard ourselves and our own heart, right, to keep it in line with the word of the Lord, but also to ensure that we are not being used by the enemy, right, to, well, I'll say to bring someone else down. Amen. Or to put them in bondage or Amen. or anything, right? That we are not being used by the enemy in any way. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. Yes. Yeah. Any questions before we close? No. All right. Who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, honey. I'll take care of that today. Is that okay? Well, Charles, did you want to do it? Are you, going? Are you sure? I don't want yes. to step on your toes, sweetheart. <laughs> you go ahead you got it you got it Lord I just thank you for this opportunity and time that we can come together in your name Lord and that we can continue to grow and understand more about you Lord and how to take care of situations that may come up in life Lord but I also just thank you for giving us the opportunity and the tools needed to prevail against the enemy Lord and that you have already defeated mm-hmm. him that we do so that way we do not have to be defeated before the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you want to say anything? Oh, I just wanted to correct something. We've been talking about um, the new listening platforms that were available on, and I did not say it correctly yesterday, and my, my loving husband Corrected me afterwards. So, how do you look us up, honey, on iHeartRadio and Pandora? So iHeartRadio. We're just on iHeartRadio. You can search for us um, on their on their podcast. But if you're trying to find us on Amazon Music, or which is really, they have a podcast section now. Um, you can find us under uh, on a day of prayer under podcasts. But also, if you're um, trying to get Alexa or Echo or any of those type of devices to to play. Um, these podcasts just um, I'll say yell at Alexa and tell Alexa to play a day of prayer podcast. And you can even go to the specific title or of the, whichever teaching you left off on or the next one or whatever the case is or, but that's how you find us in the grand scheme of things. A day of prayer podcast. If you're talking to Alexa. (laughs) Thank you, honey. Speak sweetly to Alexa. Don't beat her up. (laughs) I'm not a real person. Um, okay, that, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. All right. We appreciate you all joining us. And we, we ask you to like or follow us on any or all of those platforms and share this ministry with a friend or a loved one. 
you know, someone that you think might need to hear the word as well or want to join in this Bible study with us, pass this information along to them so that they can be blessed as well. Amen. We love you. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.